0: which is translated into English, Messiah. Now, I hate to tell you this. I've been preaching for 27 years, and I didn't realize this till I looked some of these words up because we refer to Jesus as the Messiah often. In fact, there's a name, Jesus Messiah, name above all names. The word Messiah is only used four times in the Bible, twice in the Old Testament and twice in the New Testament, the two times that it's used in... The Old Testament, or in the prophet Daniel, when he was prophesying when the Messiah would come. However, the word Messiah or Mashiach literally means anointed, and it, it is used specifically for the anointing of somebody for an office. Um, uh, in fact, if you look up the root word of Christ, it's creo, and it and it you can look this up in the Strong's Concordance. It literally means to smear or rub with oil as a symbol or sign of consecration to God. And we know also in the the Bible that oil is a symbol and representation of the Holy Spirit. That is why they are anointed, they are empowered, Um, they are gifted by the Holy Spirit. So um, we're going to look at Jesus as the anointed one, Jesus as the Messiah, which means Christ and Messiah, both of those words literally mean to be anointed. And we're going to look at Jesus as the one that is anointed by God to fulfill specific roles um, uh, in in God's plan for us. If you go to the Old Testament and look specifically at the Jewish nation, God worked um, through his people, the Jewish nation, specifically in three primary or main offices. And those offices were the office of prophet, Prophets were anointed by God. There are several several times in the Bible where you can see men that were specifically called by God that were anointed with oil as a sign of their calling. Um, There were priests. You can also go to the Old Testament and see how these priests were anointed with oil um, as a symbol and sign that they were given to the Holy Spirit and they were chosen by God to fulfill that role as priests. And then the last would be king. So the three main offices in the Old Testament in the Jewish nation um, were prophet priest and king they were all anointed with oil in fact i think they're the only ones that you can see that were anointed or consecrated with oil ordained and chosen by god for a specific purpose um, consecrated to him now it becomes very clear when you read the new test the old testament and the new testament that jesus christ is the anointed one of god not that nobody else was ever anointed but he is the anointed one and the jewish people understood that there are a lot of people anointed but there was one that would come that would be anointed above all others to fulfill um, god's role and god's plan and god's purpose in the world and so when you look at the old testament and the new testament jesus christ is the anointed one of god he is the consummate he is the ultimate fulfillment of prophet priest and king um all together so um i, I plan to spend the next Three weeks, and I've, I've got some ideas about where I want to go on Christmas morning. We're not going to be long Christmas morning. We are going to have services at 9.30. Um, but, I, but, I, but I think I want to concentrate on on his propitiation, that is, his sacrifice on Christmas morning. I know we, we talk about his birth. That is the day we celebrate his birth. But he came to die. Um, the Bible makes that clear, that he came to give his life a ransom for us. And so we're going to talk about um, his sacrifice, I think, on Christmas morning. But I, I plan to spend... Um, At least the next three weeks talking about Jesus' person and work in his role as prophet, in his role as priest, and in his role as the king. The first hint that Jesus is the prophet, the consummate prophet of God, the one anointed by God to be that final, ultimate fulfillment of the office of prophet is in Deuteronomy chapter 18, beginning in verse 15. And this is Moses writing to the people. This is... Um, some call Deuteronomy Moses' last will and testament. He is rehearsing everything that um, that the people need to know before they enter into the promised land. Um, he won't get to go into the promised land, but he is turning the reins over to, to Joshua and reiterating all of the covenant, making sure they understand what they have to do to get into the promised land and what they have to do to stay in the promised land. But beginning in Deuteronomy chapter uh, chapter fifteen verse or chapter eighteen verse fifteen. Moses says this, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren like unto me. Unto him ye shall hearken. According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire anymore that I die not. And he was talking about that, that, that fearful Um, occasion when God was speaking to them from Mount Sinai. The Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. Verse 18 goes back to the prophecy. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. So Moses is looking ahead. And, 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 and you know, I, God revealed a lot of things to Moses on Mount Sinai. A lot, a lot of what was revealed to him on Mount Sinai um, was those first five books of the Bible, the history of those first five books of the Bible. It wasn't just the law. God didn't just... Moses didn't spend 40 days on the mountaintop with God just to get the Ten Commandments. He got everything that God wanted him to know for his dispensation in that particular time and told him also about some things that were to come. And this is one of those prophecies. Moses was not known as a prophet, but he was a prophet in that he foretold what they could expect and and how God expected them to live and and what they were about to inherit. And he also looked way ahead to a future time when when God said, uh, Moses said to them, God's going to raise up another prophet and and, and, and you're going to gravitate toward him. You're going to hear him. Um, it, it, it's clear from this passage of Scripture from the rest of the New Testament. There were a lot of prophets that followed Moses. But Israel took Moses' words here to mean that God was going to send more than just a mere prophet. He was going to send the prophet. He was going to send that prophet. And so they started looking for him. They started looking for a prophet likened to Moses that would show them... Um, how to be led out of bondage into a land of promise, not here in this world, but in, uh, in the world that's to come. And the New Testament confirms that Jesus Christ is indeed the prophet that Moses spoke of in Deuteronomy chapter 18. I'm not going to read these verses. he's going to put them up behind me. But if you look at John chapter 1 verse 21, um, people began to ask questions about who John the Baptist was. They asked him if he was the Christ, and he said to them, no, I'm not the Christ. Uh, and then he went on to say in that 21st verse that I'm not that prophet. I am not the one that Moses spake of. Now I know the Jewish people were putting it together that Christ would be that prophet. That um, they were not two different offices but they were one in the same office. But John the Baptist denied being the Christ or Elijah even, that they, were, that they were looking for, or that prophet specifically. In John chapter 6, verse 14, the disciples who witnessed the feeding of the 5,000 um, with the five loaves, and, and, uh, or five fish and two loaves, or vice versa, I get them mixed up all the time. Um, but those disciples, when they saw those 12 baskets being taken up from that that they had distributed, um, they identified Jesus as being that prophet. Surely this is that prophet that Moses Told us about Now, if that ain't enough proof for you, if you go to the, uh, the, actually the second sermon recorded in the book of Acts that Peter preached, he quoted Moses' prophecy um, in, in, in Acts chapter 3 verse 23, he quoted Moses' prophecy and identified Jesus as being that prophet which God had promised in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And then in Stephen's martyrdom before he was taken, the sermon that he preached in Acts chapter 7 and verse 37, Stephen also, quoting from Moses' prophecy, identified Jesus as that prophet that God would anoint and that God would send to his people. So Jesus Christ, I, that's just to establish that, that when you look into the Old Testament and you see this prophecy, that the New Testament tells us that Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of that prophecy He is the consummate prophet of God, anointed by God to bring God's word to us. And I just want to make three points, and I'm going to pull it right from the Deuteronomy text. I'm not going to go back and read it every time. I'll give you the portion of the verse that I want you to pay attention to. But Jesus Christ, as the consummate prophet of God, speaks to us with humility. He speaks to us with humility. Now, this is interesting because Jesus or, or Moses told them that the prophet that God is going to raise up is going to come from the midst of you. He's going to be of your brethren, and he's going to be like me. So, so um, Moses is revealing to us that the prophet that God was seeing is going to be a man like he's a man, and he's going to be not just any man, but that he's going to be a Jewish man. He's going to come from among your brethren. So Jesus speaks to us as a prophet of God with humility because he speaks to us from the perspective of humanity. And, and we sang some songs this morning. Jesus Christ was, was God robed in human flesh. He is God in flesh. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And so he speaks to us with humility because he speaks to us from his own humanity. Now I thought it was interesting, just a little bit of a study will show this to you. When you do a comparison between Moses and Jesus, because Moses said, God's going to raise up one like unto me. And do a little bit of comparison between Moses and Jesus. I'm going to run through it real quick. If you want the list, I'll give it to you. Um, both of them were infant sons of Jewish poor people. They were, they were Jewish peasants, literally. And, and both of them were sons of Jewish peasants who rose to prominence. Moses had no identity until he was taken into Pharaoh's house and elevated in Pharaoh's house and then later elevated by God to be the one that would deliver Israel from their bondage. So they were both raised, they were both born into a poor home and rose to prominence. Um, They were hidden from rulers who killed Jewish boys. Um, the reason Moses found himself in, in Pharaoh's house is because Pharaoh was trying to kill all the Jewish boys to keep them from overpopulating and carrying over. And, and when, when Herod heard it, there was a new king being born. Herod tried to do the same thing um, that Pharaoh did. So they were hidden from rulers who killed Jewish boys. We know almost nothing about their childhoods. Um, we know almost nothing about Moses' childhood growing up in Pharaoh's house. Um, other than that his mother was hired to be his nurse there. We know nothing about Jesus' childhood except about one time he showed up in the temple at 12 years of old uh, of age. They both came out of Egypt. They both were even though they were Jewish people, they both came out of Egypt. You remember that Jesus had to flee into um, Egypt. They both left royal splendor, to suffer with their people. Jesus left the splendor of heaven to come and live among us. Moses left the splendor of Pharaoh's house to suffer with the people of God. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that. They were rejected at first by those that they sought to deliver. Both of them, Moses was rejected by his own people. When he killed that, that, that Egyptian for beating Um, one of his fellow Hebrews, they rejected him then, and they tried to reject him even when he came back um, uh, to bring deliverance to them. They did the same thing uh, to Jesus. Um, They did miracles. Both of them were miracle workers. They were prophets who performed miracles. Both of them spent 40 days and 40 nights communing with God, after which both of them had to contend with the devil. Moses, when he came down from Sinai, contended with the idolatry of the Jewish people. Um, and making those golden calves, Jesus was uh, led away into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Both of them were mediators between a holy God and sinful men, Moses said. Um, but when he found them in that idolatry, he said, Lord, blot me out of here. Forgive them, but, but, but blot me out. Let me take their sin upon me. And so they were both mediators in that sense. And we'll talk more about that in his role of priest. Uh, They were both surrounded by 12 and assisted by 70. If you look at Moses' leadership ranks, he had 12, one head from each of the tribes of Israel um, that he consulted with, and there were 70 that helped him judge the people of Israel. Jesus had 12 disciples who surrounded him, and when he sent his teams out into ministry, he sent them um, uh, in the number of 70. Um, Both of them headed God's great plans for humanity. Um, God's great plan in sending his word, the law, by Moses. If you look at John chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible says that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. They were both the heads of God's great plan for humanity. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, Moses is described as being very meek above all the men that were upon the face of the earth. Another word for, for, for that meekness was his humility he was he was humble in Matthew chapter 11 verse 29 after inviting those who labored and were heavy laden to come to him Jesus described himself as being meek and lowly or humble in heart now i said all that cuz i'm trying to establish the fact that when Jesus speaks to us as a prophet as the prophet of God he speaks to us with humility because He speaks to us from His own humanity. He is able to identify with us. He is God in, in real human flesh. He is God robed in human flesh. And the Bible says um, that, that in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. That He was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what it feels like to live in a flesh and blood body. He was in all points tempted like as we are. Yet without sin. In, 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 the, in the New Testament, Jesus is identified as that prophet. He is also called our elder brother and our friend. So when Jesus speaks to us from the pages of this scripture, or when he speaks to us by his spirit, he speaks to us in humility because he knows what it means to be human. He knows what we're made of. He knows how we're tempted. He knows the pain. He knows the rejection. He knows the loneliness. He knows everything that we feel He has felt. And I believe even more so than we have felt. So when He speaks to us, He speaks to us in humility because He understands our humanity. John chapter 5 verse 39 and 40, Jesus encouraged the people to search the Scriptures. For he said, In them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and you will not come to me that you might have life. Not only does Jesus speak to us with humility, but he speaks to us with authority. Deuteronomy chapter eighteen, verse eighteen. He kind of reiterated the first part of fifteen, and he said, I'm gonna raise up a prophet among your brethren, like unto me, but then the last part of verse eighteen says this. I'm going to put my words, this is God speaking through Moses, i will going put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command them. Now, again, other prophets spoke with the voice and authority of God. Other prophets um, were moved by the Holy Spirit and were given an unction by God to say what God wanted them to say, to write what God wanted them to write. But Moses is talking about a specific prophet, that prophet, the one that God would send like unto him, the one that would be a man, but that would come to speak with a different kind of authority than other men spoke. And and we know this, that the Bible says that when people heard Jesus speak, they marveled that he did not speak to them like a scribe or like another religious leader, but that he spoke to them as if he had authority behind his words. Like he, like, It was like I, he's not just telling us what others said, he's saying to us, Um, He is speaking as the voice of God with the authority of God behind his voice. I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak all that I command. So Jesus speaks with us with humility because he speaks to us from his humanity. But he speaks to us with authority because he speaks to us from his divinity. He speaks as God. When Jesus spoke, he spoke as God manifested to us in human flesh. In John chapter 12, verse 49, Jesus said, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. In John chapter 14, verse 24, the Bible said, he, uh, Jesus said, He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine. What I'm, what I'm telling you is not my words, but it is the Father's that sent me. So God is speaking to us through His Son. And Jesus speaks to us in humility because He's human. But He speaks to us with authority because He's God. Hebrews chapter 1 says it like this in verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom, also, by whom He also made the world. So Jesus speaks with the authority of God He speaks with authority as God You remember how John introduced Jesus in John chapter 1 verse 1 In the beginning um, was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God And you look at John chapter 1 and, Je- and John clearly identifies Jesus as being the Word of God that was God So Jesus speaks to us with the authority of God from god and as god and god spoke to us in times past through the prophets but in these last days he has spoken to us through christ his son let me chase the rabbit for just a second i've I've said this before but i want you to hear it again god has revealed himself to mankind through his creation nobody will ever stand before god without excuse because he has revealed himself to us through his creation but, that, but that's not a complete and an ultimate and a final revelation of God. God has spoken to us through our own conscience. We were created in an image of God. We have an innate sense of what's, what's wrong and what's right. One of the reasons C.S. Lewis came to Christ is because he could not understand how man came up with his own moral concept of what's right and what's wrong. If we're just animals, if, if that's all we are is an, is, is an evolved animal, then why do we have an innate sense of right and wrong? You don't have to teach a child to lie, and you don't have to tell a child that he has lied. Um, that child, when he tells his first lie, will know he's done wrong because there's something written in his conscience that tells him it's wrong, and he'll try to hide that from you. So God has revealed Himself to us through His conscience and through creation. But that is, not, that is not the ultimate revelation of who God is. The ultimate revelation of God is through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so He sent His Son to be human. And He speaks to us um, with that humility because He understands our humanity. At the same time, He speaks to us with the authority that comes from God. He's not just speaking uh, what God has given to Him. He's speaking to us as God Himself robed in human flesh. Um, when Jesus spoke in the New Testament, just, just remind yourself that He went by some men who made their living mending or fishing. They made their, they, they, That was their livelihood. They fished to support their family. Jesus walked by them one day. They had heard Him speak. They'd seen some miracles that He performed. They knew that He was speaking with more than just the voice of a man. They knew that He had some authority that they had never heard before. And so Jesus, seeing these men Mending their nets one day, said, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And the Bible says that straightway they left their nets and followed Jesus. They abandoned the life that they were living, they abandoned the livelihood that they had in fishing and followed Jesus. He spoke with authority. I'm here to tell you, Jesus spoke with authority over my life one day and said, you need to give it all to me. You need to surrender it all to me. You need to submit it all to me. You need to let me be the Lord and Master of your life. And I laid it all down to follow Jesus. He speaks with authority. He can speak with authority of God in here this morning and you'll lay whatever it is down that's hanging on to your life. You'll lay it down to follow Jesus if you hear that voice. I could get into some, some teaching about the Logos and the Rhema word, but we'll leave that for another day. Um, but the Logos, that, that, that written, revealed word of God, but he can speak to you in a personal way too. He can speak to you from the pages of this book, but he can speak to your heart through that Rhema word. He can speak into your life. You can hear his voice. It ain't necessarily coming through this book, but it's coming to you because he's speaking authoritatively into your spirit. Only he can do that. I can speak to you the written word. I can proclaim to you the written word. But only Jesus can imprint his word upon your heart. When Jesus spoke to the wind, it became still. Because he speaks with the authority of God. When Jesus spoke to those who were possessed, when he spoke to the demons who were oppressing people, they left. In fact, he would often say, shut up, get out. And they, they, they had to leave when Jesus commanded them to leave. He spoke to lepers and lepers were cleansed. He spoke to blind men and blind men saw. He spoke to lame men and lame men walked. He spoke to dead men and dead men lived there ain't but one voice in all of creation that can do that and that is the voice of the son of god because he speaks with the authority of god as god to humans he is that prophet but let me tell you the greatest thing that he's ever done there was a man that was brought to jesus one day that was that was paralyzed bible says sick of the palsy he couldn't walk he was carried on a gurney by four men y'all know the story he couldn't get in the house they couldn't get in the house because there were too many people crowded into the house. I believe it was probably Simon Peter's house or his mother-in-law's house. They were crowded in, couldn't get to him. Four friends found that, that man that was sick of the palsy, took him up, carried him to where Jesus was because they knew that he had authority. They had seen him heal the sick. They knew what he could do. Somebody wrote a southern gospel song about those four men being people that Jesus had already touched and already spoke to and already healed. But when they couldn't get in the door, they went to the roof, tore the roof off, and lowered him down at the feet of Jesus. And the Bible said when Jesus saw their faith, He said to the sick of the palsy, Son, your sins are forgiven. He didn't didn't speak to his physical need. He spoke to his spiritual need. And the greatest need anybody in this room has this morning, whether you know this or not, the greatest need that any of us have ever had is that our sins be forgiven. One of our devotional verses this week was, was Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. That's the worst news that humanity has ever heard. Because that's not just a physical death, that's a spiritual death. That's a separation from God that lasts forever and forever and forever. The wages of sin is death. And we all owe that. That's what we deserve. We all deserve hell. We all deserve to be separated from God. We all deserve to be separated from good. And if you don't believe that, you don't know what the scripture says. The Bible says that there's none of us righteous, not even one of us, that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and that we're not pursuing Him, but that He's pursuing us. We're totally depraved, wretched, rank, rotten sinners who owe the wages of sin, but the gift of God is eternal life. And that comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when Jesus said to that man, Son, your sins are forgiven, that was as good as it gets. That is the ultimate healing. That is the eternal healing. That is the healing that takes us from here to the promised land where we dwell in the presence of God forever. But they said, Who has the right to forgive a man of sin? They murmured among themselves, How dare he say that your sins are forgiven? Listen, I ain't got that authority. Being the priest on this earth got the authority to declare that your sins are forgiven. Because in order for your sins to be forgiven, somebody's got to pay the wages of that sin. And if you haven't paid the wages of that sin, you can't forgive that sin. So Jesus said, What's easier for me to say? What is, what's easier for for?" For me to say that his sins are forgiven. Or for me to say take up your bed and go your way. But then he said. But, but, but just so the people are in this audience know. That the son of man has the power on earth to forgive sin. I say unto you take up your bed. And go your way. And the Bible said that young man stood up. Took up his bed and walked out in the middle of them all. So that they were all amazed by what had just happened. Jesus spoke with authority that this man's sins were forgiven. And he spoke with authority that this man's sickness be gone. Only Jesus has the authority to forgive sin. Period. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not a priest. There's not another man. There's not another God on the face of this earth that can forgive a man of sin. Just Jesus. Because he paid for them. Himself. And then the last point. Is that Jesus. Is the consummate prophet of God. Who speaks to us with humility. Speaks to us with authority. But he also speaks to us with finality. That 19th verse. Here's what God said about that prophet. Whoever does not listen unto my words that he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Jesus is the last and the lasting word of God. He is God's final revelation of himself to humanity now. I don't, I can't stress this enough. God has revealed himself to us in creation, God has revealed himself to us through conscience, but neither one of those were sufficient. They give us an awareness and a consciousness of God, but just knowing that he's the God of creation and just knowing that he's the God of conscience won't save you. That's where the agnostics are. That's where the that's where the that's where those men stand like C.S. Lewis was at one time. I know that there's something in creation that testifies of a divine designer. I know that there's something in my conscience that has instilled in me a sense of right and wrong. But just knowing those two things won't save anybody. There are a lot of people that are there. But Jesus Christ is that prophet of God who is God's final revelation of himself. He reveals to us who we are, what we need, and he reveals to us who he is and what he can provide. As that prophet of God. So he speaks to us as the final revelation of God himself. Now, the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, is about Jesus. Now you can find all kinds of different subjects to discuss from the Bible. But the truth of the matter is is that from the first pages to the final pages, the whole book is about Jesus. The book of Revelation, if you read it, the the book of Revelation is not really about the apocalypse. Um, And I know the apocalypse is contained in it, and I know we read it a lot of times for the end day scenario. But if you look at what that book is titled, it is the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God's final word. And, And in that word, He takes on His final role as the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords over all of creation. But from beginning to end, the first hint we have of him was when that lamb was slain in the garden to cover Adam and Eve sins. But the first prophecy we have of Him is that the seed of the woman, you'll bruise His heel, but He'll crush your head. And that was a prophecy of Jesus. And there's that scarlet thread of redemption woven all through the pages of Scripture. It begins and ends with Jesus because Jesus is the final revelation of God. He's not giving us anything else. He don't need to give us anything else. We've got all that we need to know God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's God's final revelation, the last revelation, the lasting revelation. If you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, the Bible says that all the promises of God are in Him, yes, and in Him, amen. Amen. So when you receive God's final revelation of Himself, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, that consummate prophet who has spoken unto us the Word of God and who is the Word of God, when you receive Christ, you receive all the promises that God made to His people. But when you reject Christ, you lose it all. Forever. You know, I think there's a lot of folks... Who are sadly mistaken that in the end they get to be their own judge, and there are people today that live like that. I'm I'm a good guy. I'm a good girl. I, if you've never run into some folks like that, I could introduce you to some. What do I need a savior for? I treat people good. I love and there ain't anything wrong with doing all that. But if you don't have Jesus, you don't have what you need to save yourself you don't have what you need and and listen to me in the end we don't get to be our own judge because jesus really is god's final word you know who's going to speak the last word over your life it ain't going to be me at the cemetery It won't be another preacher at the cemetery the one that speaks the final word over your life is the lord jesus christ The final authority to judge the world is given to Jesus. In John chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, Jesus said this, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. Now he's talking about equality there. You, if, you, if you honor the Son, you honor Him as you honor the Father. And He went on to say, He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which I sent Him. And so Jesus has elevated Himself as the judge of all of creation who deserves the same honor that we give to the Father. He is the final word of God and as God that is spoken to us and that will speak over us in the end. Now, in, in John 5:25, which follows those verses that I just read, Jesus said that now is the time. He said, "The time and it's coming and now is that they that hear the voice of the Son of God will live." Now he, a few verses later, he talks about a physical resurrection, people in the grave. But this is talking about spiritual life. He said the time is coming and now is that those that hear the voice of the son of God and come to him they live. They have they have life as God has life. They have that zoe life. They have eternal life. The time is coming and now is that those who hear hear the final word of God in Christ. Live. Because he is God's final word to us. So listen. At the end of it all. Every The Bible makes this clear in a, in a number of places. Every one of us are going to stand before a throne of judgment. Without exception. You don't get to be your own judge. We stand before a throne of, of judgment. Every person will give an account of his life standing before God. Jesus is going to say one of two things to us. The final word spoken over your life is going to be either this, depart from me, you lover of iniquity, I never knew you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Or your sins are forgiven. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of your Lord. That's it. You know, at the end of the day, at the end of it all, there's only two camps of people in the world, the saved and the lost. Those who know Jesus and those who don't. Those who have received him as their personal Savior and those who have rejected him those that live forever in His presence and those that are forever separated from Him. That's it. And the final word it's just... And and the good news for for us as Christians is that He's not only our judge, He's our advocate. He's defending us even today. I'm going to close with this passage of Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12. Jesus as the consummate prophet of God. And, and, And He has given a picture of heaven in the verses that precede this. And then he gives this warning in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. He's talking about Jesus. All you got to do is go to verse 24 and you'll see he's talking about Jesus. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth. He's talking about the other prophets. Much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. Jesus is God's final word as God's consummate prophet. Jesus is God's authoritative word as his consummate prophet. Jesus is God's humble word. I love the passage. I didn't read it to y'all. Jesus looked out at humanity lost. Undone. Loaded down with sin. And said, come to me. All ye who are weary and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. That's an humble invitation. And listen, he's offering you that same thing today. He knows where you are. He knows who you are. He knows what you struggle with. He knows what you're feeling. He knows your pain. He knows your suffering. He knows your baggage. He knows everything there is to know about you. Yet he says, come. Come. And when he speaks to you with the authority of God and says your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven. And the final word that he'll say over your life is, well done. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Let's stand. Father, I thank you for your word, for this revelation of Jesus Christ as the, the consummate, the consummation of all the prophets. In fact, Jesus said that that all of the prophets, even the law, even the sacrifices, even the altars, everything in this book speaks to us about Himself. God, I've done my very best to make much of Jesus this morning. I can't lift Him up any higher than He lifted Himself up on that cross. But as much as human words can do this morning, I've I've tried to elevate Him, reveal Him as that, that humble and authoritative and final word sent from heaven to speak to us as the God-man. And Your Word makes a promise that where Jesus is lifted up, that He would draw all men into Himself. And so right now, Father, I ask You to do what I can't do, and touch the heart and touch the mind. The words that I've spoken have gone into the ears. They've been heard. But they can be heard with the ears and not heard with the heart. And I pray this morning that You'd make Your Word effective in touching the heart. And if there's one person here this morning, that has not surrendered themselves at the feet of Jesus as Savior and Lord, that today would be their day of salvation. Lord, even in this very moment, I pray you'd speak to them. I remember that night that you spoke to me. just out of the blue. Not an audible voice, but a still small voice that spoke into my spirit and just let me know how much I need you. Do that right now for that one this morning in this house. This is one old evangelist used to say save the one this morning that's closest to hell. Snatch them back. May they hear the voice of God and receive him so that they might live. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>